Dawn Maria France was only 16, living in the Yorkshire city of Leeds, when she marched against South Africa's apartheid system. At the same time, she was told in her own country that she could not be a journalist because she didn't look the part as a Caribbean Asian woman. She did it anyway. France is, broad, is a broadcasting veteran with the likes of BBC, Sky News, and some of Europe's largest stations. She campaigns for mental health, women, civil rights, civil service, diversity training, poverty, and so much more. She is an award-winning children's author and throughout her career has interviewed scores of prominent public, public figures and celebrities. Please welcome Don Maria France. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. Where did that courage come from to challenge those cultural norms? I think it came from my family because my great uncle, he was a politician and he actually, he marched for people's rights in the Caribbean. He also was someone who was fundamental in getting the maids the equivalent of the national minimum wage. He was very proactive in looking after the people in that country, particularly in the period of the colonialism times. And he was a person who was a person who wanted change in the islands. And I think that kind of came through my mum as well, because she was in the trade unions. She was someone who was proactive in terms of women's rights and mental health as well. So I think I've had these people around me within my family who really looked after people who were seen as the underdog, seen as people who were written off and really matched for change to make a change, whether it was politically as my uncle or with my mum through her art. So my mum took her art to some of the poorest neighbourhoods, the poorest white and black neighbourhoods, and she empowered children who'd never been to galleries to make their own art, to have their own stories. So having those two individuals in my life was what pushed me forward to be the person that I am today. Why did you choose that apartheid march? I think for me, as someone who's mixed race, who struggled with it when I was younger, I used to look at my dad, who's half Asian and Caribbean, and I was someone who was from a mixed background, but I really struggled with that when I was younger. I didn't want to be the mixed race child because I didn't fit into a mould. And at the time, I was in a mixed relationship with my ex-boyfriend, who's white, and realised that I would not have been recognised in South Africa being someone who was mixed race. And I wouldn't have been able to have that relationship with my ex-partner who was white. And it was something that burned inside me, the injustice that people lived in South Africa and it was their homeland and they were treated as the underdog. And someone like me who was mixed race would not have been recognised as a person because I wouldn't have fitted into a mould. So that was what drove me to go on those marches the injustice of the people in South Africa who were treated in a completely distasteful way in their own homeland. There were second-class citizens and it wasn't something that didn't sit right with me and I knew I had to go on a march and I knew I had to make my feelings heard. And really, it hasn't been that long since 
people in the US have have felt that way too. Obviously there's mixed marriages are a little more open there now, but there was a time where you couldn't have a mixed marriage there as well. So it's it's kind of nice that the world is changing. Absolutely. It's, it's a much better place. I remember when I was in my relationship with my ex-partner, people used to walk on the other side of the street. People wouldn't talk to oh, me. Really? They, they saw me as selling out of my race, not realizing I myself was mixed race too. <laughs> it was just quite bizarre to have that happen. But of course, we've moved a long way. We had a president in America, President Obama. He himself was from a mixed heritage. Mm-hmm. So things have moved a long way. And, and that's and even Meghan Markle, who's married to Prince Harry, is from a mixed race family. So we have seen some positive moves forward which is a good thing yes you were told you couldn't be in broadcasting but you did it anyway who gave you your first shot my first shot came from there were two mentors in my life two male editors one was a white editor he was from a grammar school and one was an editor from Windrush and they both saw this 16 year old girl and thought yep she's got some talent there and they gave me my first break my first break ironically came from a newspaper in London called the Caribbean Times and I was 16 at the time and I wrote a comic strip and it was a comic strip about a young teenage girl and it was very empowering it was about her journey as a teenage girl and and the ups and downs of being a teenager and what she went through and everything and I was supposed to do that for two weeks but it was so popular the comic strip which I drew as well as carried out the storyline I became the northern journalist for that newspaper but back in Yorkshire another journalist and editor gave me a chance to write for their teenage page as well so those two individuals those two men gave me my first break at 16 they saw something in me but I was later to find out just before the pandemic that the first editor in Yorkshire said when he saw me at 16 I had actually had a briefcase because I thought that's what journalists had so I went to to see him with a briefcase (laughs) and um, a plastic bag with my sandwiches in and he looked at me and thought yes she's going to be a journalist and he coached me and he really believed in me and it really touched me that he looked at my 16 year old self and thought I know she's going wow. to be someone really wow. took my heart. Wow, that's pretty young to to break in too. It was, it absolutely was. But I think it was something that I always wanted to do. And those two individuals, those two male editors saw something and they nurtured me and they gave me the opportunities to grow. And they taught me so much as well. They taught me so many skills on the job. So, I mean, I'll always be indebted to those two individuals. So were you well received by your peers? It wasn't the done thing, being (laughs) someone who looked like me in my neighborhood, running around getting stories. I think I was seen as very studious and a bit of a bookworm as well. So I didn't kind of fit the model of a 16-year-old having loads of boyfriends and going out and so on. (laughs) I didn't fit that model. I fitted more of a studious, intellectual, 
16-year-old who was running out and getting articles for these two newspapers. But I think people in my neighbourhood at the time were very supportive. I remember when I was in the newspaper, this lady, she ran from so many streets away from our house with the newspaper in her hand to our house and she said to my mum that's Dawn Maria isn't it it is her isn't it she said out of breath and she was so proud of me and that's the actual feeling I got from the whole neighbourhood they supported me throughout and it was just brilliant to have that support from people that you live near and people that you grow up with as well. Wow. How important is it for the media to be a voice for the voiceless? Do you think they could do a better job? I think they could do a better job, absolutely. I've said this in a couple of interviews. They always seem to have the same four men for everything, which annoys me. (laughs) because It's just so annoying. And you think about all the talented women that are experts. By the way, white men too, usually. Yeah. Yeah, white men talking about every the same four men talking about everything. And you've got all these women that are experts who never get the chance to talk yeah. about their story and their experience. And it's always the same guys, which I must say does actually annoy me because I think there's such a wealth of talent about amongst women of all shades who should be on TV, who should have their voices heard, who should have their experience told. But they seem to be blindsided by these individuals. It feels very much of who they know that they can phone up to get onto whatever programme. And I think they're missing a trick. They need to have all people's stories. Everyone should be able to have their own stories and see people who look like them. It needs to be more representative. I know that it's improved because I've seen a few people who look like me on various news programs and when I've gone into TV studios I've seen young black and brown and white women but I haven't seen a lot of working class white men they seem to be forgotten about and you don't see them having their stories told and having their experience so I think they have improved from when I was younger but we still have some way to go to be totally representative of all women and all voices. I totally agree with that. Have you been disenchanted with the ability to publish the stories that you have wanted to publish? I feel that I would have liked to have published more stories. I'm glad that I got my children's book out, but I had to do that on my own. I went to a lots of agents, children's agents, book agents, and they said, yes, it's really good. But, and because I wasn't a reality star or personality they just didn't want to take on such a project but I'm quite a gutsy character so my thoughts was well I'll do it anyway because it was good enough for Lewis Carroll who initially published his books himself so if it was good for him to do Alice in Wonderland on his own then it was good enough for me to to get it published it was so important for me to have the character of a little girl who didn't fit a stereotype who knew her own mind, who was strong. Because when I did the research, the characters in picture books are always little boys, then Mm -hmm. the animal, then the little girls, the sidekick. And I wanted the little girl to be the main character, to have her own strength, to have her own confidence. So I really wanted to push for that book. And thankfully, I managed to make it work and managed to 
put everything I had into the book and it's gone on to do really well with the sales and the reviews have been great. But it does feel like a struggle to get the kind of books you want. So the next character I want to work on is a little boy who's sick. And then I'm just going to publish it anyway. I'm not going to try and go yeah. through the route of, yes, it's really good. It's a brilliant story. But because you're not doing a reality program, you know, we're not going to take it on. I think the short-sighted, it should be about the story. It should be about the characters, not because you were on a reality program. I think it's a little bit short-sighted. And entertainment and media have certainly improved a lot with regards to representation. Like when I watch Netflix, I see a lot of diversity coming in there maybe it's just my choices of <laughs> movies but there's a lot more diversity in in shows availability actors and whatnot there could still be some improvement behind the scenes with the directors and producers but how important for you has it been growing up as you have seeing did you see anybody who represented you in in media like entertainment or whatnot that you would hang on to and how important is representation I didn't see anybody who looked like me when I was growing up uh, the person that I hung on to was James Cagney <laughs> a, a white American man you know who's smoking his cigar in a in a newspaper office and I remember watching that with my mum and saying I want to do that. He was in a newspaper office with a typewriter with his press card in his trilby hat. And he didn't look like me, didn't sound like me. But I knew what he was doing was something I wanted to do because it burnt deep inside me. Mm. So I could have done with seeing people who looked like me when I was younger. But because I had the two mentors, the two male mentors, one was black and one was white, I felt that they filled in that space for me because they believed in me and they helped me and they mentored me. But I think it would have been great to maybe turn on the TV and see someone who looked like me. But that wasn't the case. I later found out about Claudia Jones, who was a black woman journalist and editor, but that was a lot later in life. Yeah. And I would have been grateful to know about her when I was a lot younger. But I think it's good when you can see people who look like you and people that are doing what you want to do as well. It, it inspires you in that way. But unfortunately for me, I didn't see that. I just had James Cadney. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, that's, well, it says a lot about your character, too, because you wanted to do it anyway and nobody was going to stop you. So there. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. For those of us who don't live in the UK, explain why the royals and the royal media are so up in arms about Meghan Markle. Mm. Will they ever evolve? I watched something very interesting today, in fact, where this woman said that she's a royal correspondent. I forget her name, but she said that Meghan wasn't going to ever be part of the royal family. And the person interviewing her said, but she is part of the royal family. I sometimes wonder, I, yeah, I sometimes wonder if it is because she's a black woman, a woman who's got her own thoughts, because sometimes the reporting has been this angry black woman 
wherein, no, she's just a woman who's independent, who had a career, who mm. Harry, who's a prince, has fallen in love with. Mm. And I once read an article saying that Harry wanted to be with Meghan because she is strong. She is confident. She's the person who can talk to him and the person that he wants to be with. And I think they should just leave it alone. But they always seem to find stories about her being this sort of devil. And she's not. She's just an ordinary woman who has got her own thoughts, her own opinions. But it's almost like they don't like the idea. I mean, some of the racism that I saw yeah. was quite shameful. They were saying things like she was going to infect the blood in the royal family. They were oh saying God. that Harry's girlfriend is straight out of it's almost straight out of Compton, saying more or less saying she was from the ghetto. And then remember, Harry issued a statement because of all the racism that Meghan was getting, which was unprecedented. And he went through the royal press to do that, the royal press office. And it was almost like he said in an interview that it was almost like what happened to his mum because his mum, Princess Diana, she was in a relationship with a guy, Dodi Al-Fayed's son, and the son was Egyptian, so he was a person of colour. And she went through that kind of thing. So he said it was history repeating with Meghan not being white, getting the kind of abuse. I mean, I even saw an article practically saying it was her who killed the Queen and not oh Prince Andrew. And not Prince Andrew, who was friends of um, Epstein. You know, it was quite ridiculous. I think her her colour has something to do with it. I think the fact that she's strong as well has something to do with it. And the make out that this black woman has has changed the prince, a prince who served... (laughs) in the army who's nobody's fool who's just fallen in love and i and i absolutely take my hat off to her for the amount of scrutiny and hate that she gets and yet she's still there she's she's made the strong stuff well when i look at it now particularly with what's their trip back i think of diana that's how they treated Diana too. Absolutely. And Diana what... was universally loved by the world. And when I look at the trending topics on Twitter, Megan looks to be more universally loved in the world. So she is really echoing. And of course, I've heard Harry also say they won't stop until she's dead, you mm. know, which is yeah. very heartbreaking. But you're right in the middle of it. So that royal press or the press that covers the royals is relentless about everything. And it has to be very difficult to be even a member of the family there because every every sneeze, everything you do is scrutinized. Oh, absolutely. And and I th- as I said, I think she's, you know, I take my hat off to her. She's a strong woman to have to endure that. And they had two stories. One story where when Kate was pregnant, she was cradling her stomach and it said something like, this is a lovely thing. And then yeah. when Megan did it, they went for her and different stories about Megan wanting avocado and all these people dying because she wanted avocado and all these drug gangs making the avocado but when Kate said she wanted avocado it was oh it's such a lovely thing that she wants avocado and all this it's just ridiculous just leave her alone I mean I'm surprised that they're letting Megan's life 
rent room space in their brain. There's so much going on in the world. Just leave her alone. <laughs> and I'm sure yet- she's not- She's not thinking about them, is she really? And maybe they're just jealous because she's married a prince and in their own life, they've never (laughs) even come close to that situation, have they really? (laughs) Well, everybody in the world secretly had a crush on Harry. (laughs) Absolutely, they did. And he chose who he wants to be with. And she's come across as so dignified with the death of our late beloved queen you know the way she's comforted him in 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 public has just been so elegant and she's stepped back and she's shown herself to be a very sincere person who's in love and I think you know that's what he he needs he needs somebody like that he chose her out of everyone in the world and we should respect his choices yes yes and yeah and meanwhile in Andrew Land, crickets. You hear crickets from the media about Andrew. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, when our lovely queen died, Meghan was trending. And, and there's the hatred saying that she caused the death of a woman who was a lot older and who had health issues. And I thought, well, where's Andrew? Why is Andrew not trending? Yeah. You know, that was a huge scandal. Absolutely diabolical was that. Well, it isn't over because isn't he being sued and and isn't he he could potentially be criminally charged? Absolutely. That could be happening to him any day now. But Megan's the villain. It makes no sense at all. It's absolutely ridiculous. And Megan has Megan said in her podcast recently that the only time her race came into question was when she chose to go out with Harry. Because up until then, she was seen as a mixed-race woman in America. And it was only when she went out with Harry. They even went after her mum and everything. And and, and it was just ridiculous. And as for her family and her dad, it's just stuck at me started with what's going on there. Because her mum comes across as very dignified. They've tried to get her mum to sell stories. She hasn't. Whereas the dad, he just won't shut up. Really, the dad and the wonder son. how they got together in the first place. Oh God, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Just goes to show you, though. Go, just goes to show you, you can't pick your family. <laughs> absolutely, you can't. And I'm sure. I mean, I, last thing I heard was her sister Samantha was suing her for hurt really? feelings. Yeah, for hurt feelings because in the interview with Oprah, Megan said she was an only child. Well, she was an only child to the dad and and her yeah. mum, Doria. And, and the sisters say, no, she wasn't an only child. Well, if that's how she felt, that's how she felt. Yes. You know, I think that her lawyers, I don't think she's got anything to worry about, Megan. I think her lawyers mm-hmm. will be able to sort that situation out. But it's so sad that her family are doing that to her. I really can't get my head around it. I find it quite distasteful, really. That Oprah interview reminded me of when Diana did that very famous interview sit down interview and said there were three of us in this marriage <laughs> yeah with martin bashir yes, yeah. yeah that's what their interview with oprah reminded me of so that'll be the the interview that stands the test of time and and till the day long past we're dead and buried that those two interviews will live on <laughs> i i don't understand why people just don't leave them alone to just get on with yeah. their lives instead yeah. of going after them and it's so vile such as the hatred i mean i've seen some of the racism and such of the racist 
tweets against this poor woman and it's just absolutely disgraceful in 2022 that she needs to go through that and I remember that when they got together someone actually sent white powder to the palace for Meghan yep and then there was there was a UKIP leader and his girlfriend really said some vile things about Meghan infecting the family blood they had to back down and apologize but to even say it in the first place was absolutely despicable but I mean she she was dating someone who was a politician who was still married Megan mm-hmm. was with a prince so you know really I think Megan doesn't isn't the PR isn't the firm like the palace PR so what to me like even working in professional sports when you have a scandal going on or anything going on, you you kind of try to buffer things and you try to have a relationship with some of those journalists that you're with. Mm-hmm. And you try to, you know, if it's going to be like that, you would kind of try and step in and cushion some of that. But this firm doesn't seem to be doing anything to help her. Well, Harry actually said that in an interview that he had with Oprah. He said he went to the firm to try and get support because he said at one point when Meghan was pregnant that she she had dark thoughts of suicide and she just didn't want to leave him. And she spoke to him about it and he said that was one of the reasons that they needed to leave to go somewhere else because when he went to the firm, as he put it, they didn't support him. But then I read something interesting saying maybe the reason that Harry and Meghan are giving such negative press is so that William and Kate could get such positive press. So maybe it might be them allegedly briefing yeah. out. Yeah. Because Lots Megan, yeah, because Megan, when she first came, she was extremely popular. People loved her. People stepped in the streets for absolutely ages to see her. She was just a sea change to the royal family. So maybe you can't have the next person in line to the throne, you know, shown in a bad light. Maybe that's why. Well, that's what I've read anyway. So that's what's been said, that that could be the situation allegedly. And that sort of feels what happened to Diana because she was taking the press away from the queen even. She was Mm. outshining the queen. So they had to, you know, they were relentless on her too. Oh, absolutely, there were. And as I said, Prince Harry said he saw it when she was dating someone who wasn't white and how much harassment she got. And then when he's dating and married someone who's not white, he's getting that. And he said himself, it's history repeating. And he said he doesn't want to lose another woman from his life. This is the mother of his children. And regardless to what people think, that is who he's chosen. And she's chosen him. And I think it's quite a beautiful union, really. So I think they'll give each other strength. Yes. Well, you have written and spoken about some real hard-hitting pieces involving numerous topics. So what drew you to writing children's books? I wanted to write children's books since I was about 18, really. But I never had the opportunity that allowed me to to do that because it, it was 
college, then university, and then working for a, a magazine and such like. So I never had the space. And what I wanted to show, I wanted to show, yes, I can do hard-hitting articles, such as the civil service, their, their ability to not have courses that are diverse, and funeral poverty, and really hard-hitting issues like that. But I also wanted to show that I could do children's books so that I could show that I've got that diversity to be able to write hard-hitting stuff, but also to write children's books as well. So it shows that I'm able to manage those kind of skills and have that skill set. And I think it shows that you're a full writer when you're able to do hard-hitting things and also do children's books as well. It shows you that you've, you've got that adaptability as a writer. And I always wanted to be able to have adaptability to showcase myself as a writer. And I think that's why I wanted to write children's books as well. What's one of the favorite stories that you've written? I think the favorite story that I've written was probably when I was 16 and I did the comic strip because I had to sit down and draw it as well. And I really wanted to write about a teenager like me who wasn't in London, who lived outside of London and her adventures. So that's probably one of the favourite things. And also writing my first children's book with the adventures of Jenny and Philip and just moulding that character to be a very strong, independent little girl who played football, who didn't fit into a stereotype, who wore jeans, who played cricket. And I wanted a fully rounded, you know, I'll show the world little girl. And I love doing that. I love breaking down those stereotypes of what a little girl should be like to be seen and not heard. And for her to be in your face, I've got confidence. I've got my own thoughts. I'll make mistakes, but I'll learn from it. So the children's book and the comic strip, the two really great things that I enjoyed writing about. Well, we need more books like that. <laughs> oh, thank you. Considering we come from an earlier generation where there was not a lot of women in positions of power and doing, you know, doing what we do, how important, I've already asked some of this, but how important do you think that it is for not just in journalism and in media and entertainment, but for management, industries, the royal family to have diversity? <laughs> I think it's really important for women to lead women. And I'm sad to say the most abuse that I've had has been at the hands of women. And I, it breaks my heart to say that I've had so much yeah. harassment at the hands of Barbara and Karen's. It's been alarming. But at the same time, I've been inspired by some fantastic women. So I've seen the best and the worst. And I think instead of women wanting to impress men by showing how tough they are they should actually support other women i think women should be able to support women to bring women with them as opposed to push them down so my particular case were women thinking oh we'll show you you think that you've got a voice we'll show you you haven't so they were pushing me down instead of lifting me up which was quite crushing but i'm quite a gutsy character but I was able to find other women who then lifted me up. So we, we have a problem as women, instead of celebrating other women's success and bringing them with us, we have a habit of pushing them down, which has been my situation. And I think that's where we get it wrong. It's female masculinity and it's toxic. 
and we need to get rid of that. As women, we need to support other women. We need to lead and be good leaders and inspire our daughters, nieces as well. And I think that's where we go wrong. Some women in power think they've got to be more like the men to be accepted. And that's where they go wrong. What they need to do is be more like themselves and be inspirational to other women coming up. And pull and hold your hand up and pull them up with you. Absolutely. Which in my case, I just got the hand pushing me out of the way, really. (laughs) (laughs) And it, it was it was quite it was shocking being treated like that at the hand of Barbara and Karen's, it was quite soul destroying. And you have to then try and build yourself up when you've been destroyed by another woman. It's quite shocking because you don't expect that. And then fortunately for me, as I said, other women were around to lift me up, which was great to see. So I've, I've been inspired by some amazing women But when the worst has happened, it's been at the hands of women as well, which is sad, really. It's not something I would have expected. And it's not something I really had any kind of inkling would happen to me. But I survived it. I'm quite a resilient person and I came through it. But it was a dark time being crushed by other women instead of women seeing me and going, yep, we like what she does. Let's bring her in. Let's have a network where we can support each other. And some of the networks I've been to with women have been really catty and really quite unpleasant. And I found when I've gone to mixed events, mixed networks with men and women, it's a it's been better for me. Yes. I, I, say that. I feel you on that. <laughs> Do you have a philosophy or creed that you live by? Absolutely. So I've got a quote which I found when I was 16, but it's what I live by. And it's from Mahatma Gandhi. And the quote is, I will not let anyone walk through my mind with their dirty feet. And I think that that really resonates with me. So when I was going through the drama with the women who was basically trying to keep me down and I think what was wrong was I was this black woman with a voice and they wanted to shut me down because they wanted me to know my place as it were and I would not I was going to continue to have my voice so they were going to show me but with that quote I allowed it to sink in and thought I will not give them any space in my head to destroy me I will continue to go forward remove these people from my life and march on with a renowned and strong spirit. And that mantra helped me with that. Mm. So where do you see the future of media? I think the future of media will see more people who look like me come through. It's already happening now. A lot of young voices are being heard. A lot of people from diverse communities are coming to the forefront. We're seeing new media as well. We're seeing a lot of people on TV, online, blogging, doing webcast as well. It's it's quite exciting now at the moment. The only thing is, I don't see a lot of mature women, it's particularly over here. Mm. I don't know what it's like where you are, but on the news, it seems to be older men and younger women, whereas you don't see older women on TV 
especially news anchors, I think that needs to change. It feels like you get to a certain age and then you disappear, but the man can be on there doing the news till he's about 110, but the woman that is an anchor is getting younger and younger. <laughs> so I think that has to change. We need to recognise that women, particularly women who have you know, been around for a while, have had so many skill set, have so much to bring to the table, and they need to be right next to the male anchor as well it shouldn't just be getting younger women and having older men you should have older women we need to be represented in the media space I'd like to see that more but I'm liking the podcasts that I'm hearing particularly fantastic podcasts like yours and, and and other podcasts that are out there so that gives me hope that we're moving forward to more inclusive media going forward Thank you so much. It was so wonderful to have you on my show. Thank you for having me again.